This is the podcast for December 31st, 2010. It's not safe for work. Recorded live at the unplowed intersection of the sacred and the profane, it's The Professional Left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. everybody happy new year happy people new year. happy new year to everybody. all our listeners wherever yeah. you are around the world we're, we're recording we're so this glad. during the previous decade so <laughs> did we just blow your mind <laughs> so let's get started right shall we away. plunge in shall we plunge into our our, our uh, last podcast of 2010 it's amazing isn't it plunging directly from the the highfalutin dream state to the local gritty reality i, I just want you didn't know, Blue Gal, I was interviewed today by a reporter from a... You were interviewed by a reporter. From a local newspaper, from Penny Saver. The Penny, <laughs> the Penny Saver wanted to know Drift Glass's take on savings and passing the savings along to you. <laughs> now, the, uh, uh, a local reporter from Cranes, which is a highfalutin, real, honest-to-goodness uh, business magazine. I was going to say, Cranes is business, right? Cranes Chicago business, yeah. And and is, you know, is, a, is held in some degree of esteem... Mm-hmm. As far as a high-end publication, but um, we have uh, a local jackanapes, if you will, pardon the language. Uh, I'm trying to keep the fucks to a minimum. Um, <laughs> a local, a local card, a local cut-up, if you will, who is impersonating uh, Rahm Emanuel on the Twitter. On Twitter, that's right. When huh? you've said this before, you've talked about him before. Yes. That he's funnier than Rahm Emanuel. He's much, much funnier than Rahm. And swears about as much, but he's mm-hmm. much funnier. He, he puts it in the right place. And uh, there is some degree of, of local interest and mystery in – this is how news-starved we are um, – in finding out who this person is or, or having uh, figuring out who they might be. And people so, think it's you? Uh, there, there was some idle speculation. Like you have time to do that. <clears throat> like I have, you know, I have time to, to – I, I I already am maintaining twenty different identities. Yeah, I don't, I, for, I don't think you have time to be Rahm Emanuel on Twitter. I mean, no, no. good luck. But <laughs> but whoever it is is a good writer and knows how to tell a story and knows uh-huh. how to how to um, and knows politics well enough to know who the players are locally mm-hmm. and and what their relative importance is. And it's and he's funny. He's a funny guy. And and it's the the larger article um, which should appear uh, in about a week or so on the tenth, I believe. Or, or is this guy tweeting as Mayor Rom or Rom for Mayor? Mayor Emanuel. I think it's Mayor Emanuel. Mayor Emanuel. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I, and they asked you who this person is, well, or it, in the course of the question, it was is it you? Do you know who it is? Can you give me a hint? I'm like I I it's not me. Yeah. Um, I I if I had to guess, I would guess. Check out these possible people, but it's somebody who, who's a good writer, mm-hmm. who knows how to tell a story, who knows politics, who knows, you know, who's who's a at or near a, some intersection, who follows the news, yeah, and has a, 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 a ear for storytelling and an ear for you know, and tells and tells them in 140 character bursts, yeah, pretty cool, which is hard to do, yeah. And but the larger question was social media and the upcoming election in Chicago. So we talked about that a little bit and. And humor, where's humor? Play? And humor, of course, plays an important role. And it's it's going to be interesting. It is interesting. Um, it's not probably not of interest to our general audience, but oh uh, no, I think it is because Rom is a national figure. He's not. Well, he is. Paranoid. He'd know how to deal with the snow if it came to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give it a tax cut. <laughs> give, it a, give it a tax cut. Yeah, yeah. Give it a tax cut. We can work with the snow if we just if we just deregulate the snow, perhaps. Yeah, and and know. beat up on a couple unions. Although I I frankly think that's what's going on in New Jersey and New York City, mm-hmm. is that the the snowplower union people are just saying, well, you know, 
I don't yeah. really uh, have to have to work too hard this week. You know, it's no. between the holidays and uh besides the governor Christie and mayor Bloomberg, Bloomberg. Uh, yeah. you know, they're not doing too much for me, so I'm going to do the minimum for them, you know. Oh, and it's it's, you know, it's really It's revenge. It it and I'm uh in anticipation of the upcoming pie fight and you know mudslinging contest that will be the mayor's election, the mayoral yeah. election in Chicago, I, in yeah. Chicago, <clears throat> um, which will be it, it's it's so far it's you know a bunch of pygmies fighting over the big chair. And we should say that Rom has won his yes. court battle. Yes, he, he well he he's won it mostly. I think there's still some outstanding challenges. Uh, Bill Clinton is sort of interjected himself into into the argument because. The candidates, the African-American candidates who were sort of holding their own counsel to figure out who, you know, um, who's who going to be the black run. candidate. And, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and uh, Reverend Meeks has dropped out um, as part of sort of a, a uh, consolidated front. Mm-hmm. And Bill Clinton, of course, you know, gave Rahm Emanuel his political manhood, if you will. Wow. And Rahm worked for him. And yeah. so Clinton, you know, the, the, but the dire warning from Danny Davis was, and from Carol Mosley Braun was basically stay the hell out of Chicago, Clinton, yeah. Bill. But Clinton's, Clinton's ties here are very complicated and very deep. I mean, he made Carol Mosley Braun an ambassador. Yeah. He yeah. knows Danny Davis from way back. Well, he, and you said you remembered a lot of times that Clinton was in Chicago. He came oh, yeah. to Chicago frequently. It was. It got to be boring. Based on where I was working, you would look out the window and then, oh, there's a bunch of you know giant police dogs and snipers on the roof again. Mm-hmm. So he must be down at the Hilton, yeah. and so he's down here again. And he'd come around, and eventually it got to be oh, it's Taste of Chicago. There's Bill Clinton. Oh, it's Vivi's. He's up having a little you know Vivi's up on the north side. Oh, it's Bill Clinton. Is that barbecue? Uh, it's, it's barbecue and African food. Ah, and, okay. and but you know, and every every restaurant in Chicago practically has a picture of Bill Clinton having Eating a, their food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Taking their hand, eating their food, because that's that's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he has, and his wife is from here or you know hereabouts. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of very complicated political connections. When he did his victory tour, this was a primary stop for him. On uh, I have, I still have some photographs of that in my in my archive somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you know, co- politics is complicated, and the personalities involved are. It's all very personal. It's all extremely. Who you knew, who was your friend, who will step aside for you, who you'll step aside for. And in preparation for that, I'm rereading uh, Boss, Mike Royko's indispensable um, history of Mayor Richard J. Daly's. The dad. The dad. Yeah. And let me tell you, you know, talk talk about unions and yeah. power. That that sh- snow shoveling shit would never have happened under under nope. a machine nope. like Daly's machine. Never. Mm-hmm. Now they would have gotten a fortune for it. They would yep. have, they would have you know because but Daly come, came out of a working class background, and the people who were doing the snow shoveling um, would have been people that he relied on to get votes out. Right. Right. You know. They worked for him, not uh-huh. for Streets and Sand. They exactly. worked for the mayor. Every yeah. Daly personally approved every city hire. Yeah, he saw every name that came down the pipe. And there's a, a lot of bad things that come with a machine like that. But one of the good things that come with it is when the snow falls, shit gets every, done. Yeah. Everybody picks up a fucking shovel. Yep. Yeah, and it gets done. And you know, this is and and the just the political stupidity of Christie being in Florida. Yeah. At and Disney, Bloomberg, at, Disney. at Disney, yeah, Come on. yeah like, really? wow, you know, you should have done that James Brown, you know, fighting to, you're fighting to get back to New Jersey, and your people are holding you back, you know, yeah, but no, yeah. it's like I'm on vacation, fuck you, yeah, all right, I know. well, you I know. know, and hey, again, as I as I blogged this morning, thank you, New Jersey, for making Rod Blagojevich look like a humanitarian. <laughs> 
they he cares about the people. He know? does, you know. He, he, at least he, you know, his his mistakes were sort of bent in the direction of giving goodies away, not yeah. telling people the yeah. fuck you. I'm I'm too busy doing my own thing to uh, really give a shit about whether or not you're getting services or not, which is Christie's big problem. He he really thinks that punching people in the face is how you show that you're a tough guy. And then when that doesn't work, you need to just punch harder. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. man, yeah. really, okay, that's, that'll get you to, that'll, that'll certainly get you the governor's chair. But when the snow falls, man, you'd better be out there in a, in a parka with a shovel. Yep. Or else you're doomed. Yep. Anyway, that's what's happening locally, ladies and gentlemen. There so, and, and when that article pops, if, if I'm actually in it, I will, of course, include a link and, uh, yeah. Share it with the people. Share Share it with the people. people. You know. What does that What does that bring us up to there, Bill? Well, that brings us up to. um, I wanted to talk a little bit about this article in the New York Times with John Stewart. Oh yeah. Which was really good. It was. It was an interesting article. John Stewart being compared to Walter Cronkite and Edward R. Murrow. Edward R. Murrow. And what he had to do. You and I had an interesting conversation about this 9/11 first responders bill. Uh And his role in it. Comparing this John Stewart to the John Stewart of his rally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You said that he was kind of had to betray everything he said in the rally and everything he said after the rally about, you know, oh, I'm not really a player. I'm just on the sidelines laughing. Well, you know, there's a an old labor song. Which side are you on, Should boys? Are you on? Yeah. Which side are you on? And and the the fascinating feature about the article is what it didn't talk about. Yeah. You know, it didn't. As is so often the case in yes. the New York fucking Times. Yes. What it didn't talk. I mean, it had the 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 crux of the article was nobody covered this story. Mm-hmm. Nobody covered this story yep. uh, until John Stewart put it on his back and dragged it into the into the spotlight and demanded mm-hmm. that people pay attention to it. Yep. And then people fell all over themselves to react to it. Yes, and devoted an entire show to it, <laughs> yes. not just a sideline. You know, yeah. I'm just going to talk for five minutes. And his last show, the one guaranteed that's going to be, you know, the probably the highest audience mm-hmm. you know, just before the holidays. I'm going to make this, and you know, all during his interview with Rachel Maddow and all during his rally, he said, "Look, I'm up in the stands." yelling things and you're down on the field and that's the difference between the two of us i get to not be fair you know i get to be a jerk because i'm a comedian yeah and that's what that's that's what i I privilege myself with the ability to do that and her point was well that's fine but the the problem that you will not look at directly is the false equivalence yeah the the false equivalence that the the media creates saying the left and the right are equally wrong equally bad equally this equally that which simply isn't true yeah flat factually isn't true and that is, as we said on this podcast a hundred times, the one thing you're not allowed to say in the media, in the mainstream media, is that the right is worse than the left Yep. under any circumstances. And I firmly believe the reason that the 9-11 um, first responder filibuster, mm-hmm. along with the BP oil platform survivors yes. filibuster, along with the, the rest of the utterly shameful, depraved, ridiculous anti-American, vicious hostage-taking that the Republicans did was not reported on Yep. because the only way to report that story is Republicans are assholes. Yeah, and, and, and no, don't care no, about America. I mean, they don't care about America. And, and they no, don't have any fiscal responsibility whatsoever. There's nothing else to the story. It's yeah. not like they're doing this for higher principles. No, they're, they're assholes. They're yeah. vicious pricks who hold sick people hostage to get money for their, you know, for their overlords. Sponsors, yes. And there's yes. no other way to report this story. No. And so it didn't get reported because yep. you're not allowed to tell you're that story. You're not allowed story. to say it that way. Yeah. You have to find yeah. some false democratic left equivalents. And then you're allowed to talk about it. But you can't just report a story that Republicans are vicious, you know, conscienceless pricks because well, – 
But that, you and I are going to report it that yeah. way because and well, that's why it's that's why it it didn't make it into the news. Yeah, but then what does make it into the news is we have to have an adult conversation about Social Security, and we have to have an yes. adult conversation about Medicare. No, we don't. No, we don't. We don't have to have an adult conversation about anything anymore oh. because the Republican Party in Congress has proven that they don't give a shit about deficits. No, they don't not. give a shit about the economy. They well, don't the give American a shit people. about jobs. They no. don't give a shit about people who are suffering. No. So we don't have to have an adult conversation about entitlements no. because you have already proven on your side of things that you don't give a shit. But that, again, as you say, because that's not reported, all of a sudden entitlements are in play. That's right. You that's know, right. And we have to be serious about this and <laughs> austerity bullshit. You know, and, and no, there was no austerity when it came to tax cuts. Oh. There was no asking billionaires to pull in their belts. There was no asking Paris Hilton to tighten her <laughs> her <laughs> belt from Saks Fifth Avenue. Yeah. You know, yeah. no, there wasn't. There Inheritance was... taxes are death taxes, you know, and we have uh-huh. to make them zero. Right. Really? Those of us who have our eyes open, mm-hmm. whenever anyone says adult conversation, are going to bring this up. We right. don't have to have this conversation because well, we you do. have already shown your side of it. To the be adults, completely irresponsible. The adults, the adults aren't the room, on your side at all. Right. The adults in the room do have to have a, an adult conversation about a lot of things. Yeah. But Republicans shouldn't be invited to that conversation because, because they've they're not already serious. shown what what whiny, petulant hypocrites, hypocrites, absolute <laughs> evil hypocrites. hypocrites. They are absolutely. And, and so the the problem with the 9/11 first responder story is there's no way to report it. There simply is no angle into that story that lets Cokie Roberts say, but but the Democrats. But the Democrats, are yes, wrong. exactly. And exactly. so we're not going to talk about it. We're just fucking not going to. And we have the since we control the media in this country, we can simply pretend this story never happened. But that you know, was is, what was so interesting about that. The quote from Brian Williams in that New York Times article. Why don't you read that? Because oh. that that says it all. Yeah. Well, Brian Williams, this is from the article, um, Brian Williams says, John gets to decide the rules governing his own activism and the causes he supports, Mr. Williams says, and how often he does it and his audience gets to decide if they like the serious John as much as they like the satirical John. And this is out of his hand. You know, Brian Williams doesn't get to decide. Right. What? And that's you know, the part of the. That's the part the of the. What the news is, but he's well, deciding what the news is right. all the time. Every day, every, and, and this is the thing. There, there are editorial meetings. There, there are, there are, a million stories a day. Yeah. And people like Brian Williams decide what gets on the air and how it gets reported. And and, and his corporate this, overlords decide. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that that's the thing that that that's the, that's the, the two most fascinating parts of the story to me are that John Stewart had to had to basically you know put his principled centrism down like a sick animal. Exactly. He had to he, abandon everything he said at his rally and yeah, become an activist on the side of be, right. Because there's yeah. no way to tell the truth without calling out one side of the political aisle mm-hmm. and not both. Yes. And, and there just isn't any way to do it. Yeah. And, and the other thing that was fascinating about the article was that the fact that nowhere in the article does it say Katie Couric decided Yes. Or Barbara Walters felt, or yep. Brian Williams made an editorial decision. At no point did any, it was all constructed in the passive voice. Yep. You yep. know, there's some power out there that won't let us report on this stuff. We'd love to, but John can do that because he's a comedian. Bullshit. Yes, Brian Williams right. is a fucking coward. He yep. won't say yep. the truth, which is, I will, I refuse to put the story on the air because I'd have to talk smack about Republicans 
And then and how I would have awful they are. chopped off. Yeah, and and how they don't care about America. Yeah. Well, then I'd have to go get a job at C-SPAN in six weeks. My boss would fire me. Yes, exactly. And that's the real truth of the matter. So there are – and that's that, – this is the thing that drives liberals crazy. Yes. Is that there's – it's not just one story like this. The entire news machine is constructed to make sure no bad stories about Republicans get reported. Yep. Ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know this is why we went. This is this is why we're still in Iraq. This is why we invaded Iraq because yep. no stories about how badly the Bush administration lied us into that war or botched that war were permitted in the mainstream press until it was far too late. And then the stories were about patriotism and loving your well, country. Well, and then and then the stories were about how long ago that was. Yes. you know, and that that's all oh, in the sure. past now. It's all in the past. Let's not look yeah. back. Yeah, let's not yeah. look back. That was that was over two weeks ago. Let's move on to talking about. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Paris Hilton, again. No, as John Stewart said, let's talk about the Beatles on iTunes. Yeah. You know, and all three networks covered that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not every week that happens. You well, know, and this, so. This, this, and, and, and this is the, this is my challenge to John Stewart because you know he listens to this podcast. <laughs> no, I don't he think gets, so. He gets about half his ideas from this podcast. <laughs> John, the name of the show is The Professional Left. The Professional Left. And we'd be happy to come on your show, at least verbally. <laughs> and, uh, but so my challenge to John Stewart is not to abandon your, you know, satirical edge, but you are primarily, John, a media critique show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John Stewart is very clear that politicians, they lie. I expect them to lie. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what they do for a living. <laughs> they make a lot of promises and yep. they try to deliver on, you know, they, they, they're compromised people. But the media is supposed to be above that. The media is supposed to be better than that. The media is supposed to tell us the truth. And the media is a failure, yep. catastrophic failure. So, John, my challenge to you is name names. Yeah. You know, tell exactly the same story about first responders, but instead of the pussy, the press wouldn't report it. Tell us the names of the people at NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, and the rest of the news organizations who made editorial decisions not to report on this. Call them out by name. You do it to politicians all the time. You're not afraid to call out James Inhofe. You're not afraid to, you were never afraid to call out George Bush. Why are you afraid to call out Brian Williams? And the answer is, I I have a sneaking suspicion you kind of want to be Brian Williams. Yeah. You want to be friends with these people. And if you call them out by name and say the reason you didn't hear about the story is because this Well, Brian Williams is on John Stewart's show. Exactly. On a fairly regular basis. He's a friendly guest. Mm -hmm. And the reason you, you, the reason those names are not known to the public is because nobody will mention them out loud in public. Well, and I think part of it is, you know, John Stewart realizes what happened to the Smothers Brothers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. He remembers at least in yep. he remembers enough history to know. If there's a there's a DNA racial memory there. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a way there's a far. way to, you know, even John Stewart could get kicked off the air if you went oh, too tomorrow. far. Tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I and I get that. Yeah. But, you know, the the thing that Walter Cronkite did and the thing that Edward R. Murrow did was name names. Yeah. yeah. Or at least point the camera and say this. Well, and what happened to Edward R. Murrow? He got kicked off the air too. So, you know, this is not safe territory. Uh huh. No. But, but John, you you took sides. Yeah. Yeah. You took sides in this fight. And that has consequences. So, you know, welcome to the fight. As, as Louis says in Casablanca, this time I know we'll win. (laughs) We we don't need to talk about the BP oil spill because, you know, the the public is tired of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. This is the, I just wanted to add that Brian Williams said this morning uh-huh. on Morning Joe that the reason they weren't covering the BP oil spill now is the public got tired of it. Yes. Really? We're tired. Like, we're tired of, oh, 
how much oil is left in the Gulf. We're just tired of it. Yeah. We're so tired. The public lost interest. Oh, they just wanted their... They don't want to go down to the Gulf in the middle of winter and count blobs of oil. And, you know, that's... Yeah, and there's still a program on uh, called Nightline, or at least at last there was, which was built on following one story every day. Yeah, for the, the hostage year. crisis, the Iranian yeah. hostage crisis, right? <laughs> there are lots of things. You are they covering the Beatles on iTunes? Yes, because yes. people aren't tired of that yet. <sighs> well, you know, and the, and if that's really true, Brian Williams, then maybe you need better storytellers. I wanted to bring up something in in preparation for this show and making fun of Brian Williams and also making fun of the public that is tired of, you know, I don't want to hear the same story four nights in a row and, you know, the the job numbers are just so boring and so for, I went to look up the primetime broadcast ratings, the Nielsen ratings for the week ending December 26th to find out what is it the people are watching so that we could laugh about that. And I got a shock <laughs> because in addition to the Simpsons and Family Guy reruns being in the top ten, you know, um, yeah. as you might expect, and Minute to Win It and Million Dollar Drop being in the top 25, shows two, three, and four. This was shocking to me. Uh-huh. Shows two, three, and number one was the OT. I don't know what that is. I don't either. It's a no show idea on what Fox. That is. The Old Testament? Yeah. <laughs> is it about gay hating and stoning your wife for wearing a garment of two threads? Because that would be awesome. That's the next reality show. Old Testament punishments for Old Testament crime. Tonight <laughs> of the OT. We will kill a farmer for planting two crops next to each other. Yeah. Oh, no. The OT. Excuse me. The OT stands for the overtime. Still have no idea what that is. Uh, it's it's a post-game show. Yeah, the NFL on Fox decided to name its post-game show the OT and expand it to a full hour uh-huh. to, in order to remove the possibility of ratings damage to new episodes and series in that slot, which uh-huh. were traditionally preempted by games most every week. Uh, and so the viewers got all frustrated. Yeah. So the OT is, is the your, OT is overtime. That's your hyper. Three very large guys in wide wide shouldered suits screaming at each other. Uh-huh. After the game, and and I'm that's that was the number one show wow. on TV last week. That's your decompression chamber, I'm right? That's, right. That's how you get. And oh, it's okay. on Fox. Well, it's after Fox NFL Sunday, whatever. More bread, more circuses. Right, right. Yeah. So that was number one. Mm-hmm. But two, three, and four, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say this right. Was a show on Univision called Soy Tu Duena, which is translated Women of Steel. It's a Spanish language soap opera, nighttime soap opera. <laughs> Numbers two, three, and four in the eighteen to forty-nine viewers. <laughs> With Spanish language, America is changing fast. Somewhere, John McCain's. <laughs> Poor John McCain just, just has to change his depends. It's yeah. really true. Like, what? wow, what? what? I had no idea. Uh, Spanish soap operas are so popular among old white men. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> Yeah, welcome to America. Yeah, this is, this is what that's what this is, is what the future looks like. This is what the future looks like, and get ready. I just I was really astonished by that, and and all of a sudden these people are not reliable Republican voters anymore. No. You know, that's the thing. It's like no. you shit all over them. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, repeatedly, repeatedly no. make them well, feel will, like no. criminals and outsiders and. Well, you know, let's face it. There will always be those self-loathing outliers. Yeah. In every group. Mm-hmm. You know, there will always be the self-hating African American who will yep. happily front for Republicans. Mm-hmm. And his name is Michael Steele. Yeah. There'll always be the self-loathing gay person who will mm-hmm. front for the the right. 
you know, that was Ken Melman and yep. Frank Andrew Sullivan for a good long time. And their job is not to be a voting block. Their job is to reassure the base that they're really not a bunch of bigots. Yeah. And their job yeah. is, to, is to lie to the rest of the country and pretend that they're a diverse party, which they're not. And their job is to is to help teabaggers sleep at night with a, a, a sanctimonious sense of self-satisfaction. That see, see, we got blacks, right? We got gays. Yeah. We don't, we don't see color. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's to lie to the media. It's to lie to Brian Williams, so yeah. that he'll put on yeah. this rainbow coalition of conservative, et cetera, et cetera. And it's 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 all a fraud. It's all a front. So it wouldn't surprise me no, <laughs> if you I know. find a, uh, a handful of uh, Hispanics. What is it, Mario Rubio? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who are willing to front for a, a loathsome, xenophobic, brown person bashing party. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, that's where the votes are. But demography is destiny. Yes, it is. Yes, and, it is. And if we were all to close our eyes and wake up in 20 years, this would be a vastly different country for lots and lots of reasons. But and there's no way to stop that. No, and, and there's no way to stop, you know, me, as I've said many times, from having – beautiful bilingual grandchildren i mean that's going to happen and uh, they're gonna they're gonna teach me all about christmas in spanish and that's gonna be wonderful you know well and i will i will give this these props to the former president george bush who did try to do some rational immigration reform yeah um, and he got eaten alive by his own party yes yes um you know there are there are reason there were reasonable people embedded in the right who with whom we could have had a conversation once upon a time yeah but they're yeah. gone they're all gone well because and they've been primaried out of existence they've been tea party tea partied out of it yeah their their reasonable responses to immigration issues it has been tea partied out of my ch- my challenge on my speaking of the tea party my challenge on on my blog not my little mental game this week is um in all of the retrospectives you're going to hear this week, mm-hmm. and especially this weekend, about the last year, last year in politics, and last year, etc., mentally substitute the words Republican Party base for Tea Party every mm-hmm. time you hear the word Tea Party, because that's yeah. all they are. That's yep. all they yes, are. Right, right. This is not a new movement. These are nope. the same old racist idiots who've been running the party, who've been powering movement of the conservative Since movement. Brown for, versus the Board of Education, yeah. literally. They, yeah. There are a tiny rind of you know libertarians and a few uh, Democrats stuck in there who are, you know, who believe that they can possibly latch on to their anger and advance their own agendas. But every fucking poll taken of these people says, no, no, these are 75, 80 percent Republicans. Yeah. These are 75, 80 percent racist. They've been voting Republicans since the 50s. Yeah. 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 So the idea that this is a new movement is an is a complete lie, a complete paint, you know, an Earl Scheib paint job, ninety nine ninety five paint job mm-hmm. that the that the media has been willing to go along with because it makes for a good story. Yep. But every time you hear Tea Party, think Republican base. Yep. And yep. all it is is the crazies have finally taken over the party. Yeah. yeah. That's all this is. And this is a prediction that was made famously or infamously by Rod Serling, as I've said before, in the 60s. Yeah. Um, and he warned and people, look, don't – He said – well, he said the Birchers and the The Birchers, Klansmen, the John Birch Society and, and the Nazis is a and, dangerous group of people. And, and they're finding a welcome place in your parlor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, this has been coming for a long, long, long time. And there have been people all along this road to hell 
that have been saying that this day will come, this day of reckoning will come. Mm -hmm. The people who said that the economy cannot continue to be built on Wall Street casino economics Mm -hmm. have been warning that for 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And and they're, they're largely the same group of people. And, and, and that's the problem. Well, and I want to add something to that, that that I think is kind of important. We've got a number of letters this week, emails this week. We love getting emails from everybody. Yes. Um, but there was a trend in the emails this week, and I don't know if you noticed it as well, of people introducing themselves by saying, I am in a very red area, and I'm the only liberal in my town, it seems. I feel oh. that way, or I'm surrounded by red, Glenn yes. Beck spouting. Red. I live in a red state. Yeah, I'm um, surrounded. All my neighbors and friends and family are in a red areas, and you yeah. keep me sane. Yeah. And that's terrific. We're happy about that. I, I want to just add to that, though. I've, I've been thinking about that a lot this week and how to how to respond to that particular statement. One of my formative experiences in life was going to college at Brandeis as a Christian student. I was I was an affirmative action student, people. At, at a Jewish-sponsored, non-sectarian university. And I was definitely in the minority for four years. I was a minority student. Mm-hmm. And that was very, I don't want to say character building in a cliched way, because it was a very positive experience for me. I was never put down or shat upon for being mm-hmm. who I was. Uh, I was very much accepted. But being in the minority does cause you to formulate and solidify who you really are. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing. No. One of the things that really struck me about Rachel Maddow's talk at Harvard, at Harvard, yes. was when they asked her about you know, uh, LGBT activism uh-huh. and her career and so on and so forth. <laughs> Which is different than LBJ activism. <laughs> Well, that's when you start ordering pants on the phone and talking about your bunghole. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just so we're clear. Uh, just so we're clear. She said very clearly, you know, even in high school, I was always out. Mm-hmm. And being out and being who you are really helps. One of the reasons I think, and I'm talking now as myself, one of the reasons I think we're getting such tremendous advancement in gay rights now is that people are out. Yeah. And once you know a neighbor who's gay or your son is gay or your son's best friend, your son brings a best friend home who's gay. Mm -hmm. And it turns out he didn't turn your son gay. Yeah. And he's a nice guy and he's clean cut and, you know. He's... He they is, play chess together or whatever. Oh, my God. He's perfectly normal. He's normal. Or she's perfectly normal. Yeah. And, and, and you realize, oh, this is not a threat to me and my personal way of life and how I have sex or how I live my life. And then it's like, well, then it doesn't matter anymore. Let him right. have his marriage rights. You know, it's not going to affect me at all. Yeah. And we need to do that as liberals. We need uh-huh. to – one of the things that's happened on Fox News is liberal uh, and, and rush – Liberal is Jew. Liberal is N-word. Liberal is the other who can be hated without any retribution. You can just hate those liberals. Right, and blame them for everything. Blame them for everything, and it's the same way that the – and, you know, you hate to get all – Well, I have gone through uh, at least a couple of speeches from the dark days of of fascist Germany. Yeah, yeah. And if you simply go through and unplug the word Jew and plug in the word liberal – 
It's a Rush Limbaugh monologue. It, it is an absolute. It is a Rush Limbaugh monologue. It, it is, is indistinguishable from anything that Rush or Sean Hannity or Glenn Beck, frankly, says every fucking day. And, and if I, you I'm read, not being hyperbolic. If, it absolutely. No, is and when ab- you read when you read Twitters from Teacot, mm-hmm. and it's I'm going to show those liberals. Mm-hmm. And, and conservative like I'm going to show those liberals. I just showed that liberal because I blasted Rush when there was an Obama bumper sticker next to my car at the gas station. Yeah. And it's just unadulterated it's, it's the hatred of the other without any sense of the humanity of that other person. Right. It's, and so the, becoming the, that publicly and saying, well, wait a minute, Joe. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Look at me. I'm your neighbor. I'm a liberal. Uh-huh. I'm the yeah. liberal that you hate. Uh-huh. Proudly. Proudly liberal. And, and what I'm, liberal means is I care that your mother gets her Social Security check. Mm-hmm. I care that your kid has a job that hasn't been shipped overseas. Uh-huh. I care that he has a decent wage. And has a good school to go to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I care about those things. That's uh-huh. what liberal means. And yeah. Yeah. if you want to demon- I mean- listen to the people that demonize me every day, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm not that. I'm not that person. I'm your neighbor who cares about making sure the streets will get and your food is safe and the streets are safe and the bridges are safe. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that in this environment, in the greed environment that we're in, where Uh corporations are shipping jobs overseas and getting a tax cut for it. Yep. Is to come out. Is to come out and say the only way we're going to do this is if we become the government and we tell these corporations, no, you can't ship out unsafe food. Yes. Without any punishment, and yeah. and it's okay because you're making a profit. And you can't export American jobs and get a tax write-off for it. Right. You know, we're, we, but we I'm the liberal. Uh, I'm the liberal you're talking about. And I don't want to get rid of the marketplace. I love the marketplace. No. No. I love to be. I want to be able to go into my local store and have lots of things to choose from. I like low prices. I like all the things that living in a free society brings me. But I also like to have a society where basic needs are met. Yep. You have good schools, good roads, clean air, fresh water, safe food. Safe food and yep. and peace. Yeah. <laughs> and if those aren't your values, then we can't be friends anymore. Yep. Yep. But if those are your values, and I think they are, please understand I'm a liberal and I believe every one of those things. Yep. And the people who tell you that I don't are lying to you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know and as you and, come out that way. Yeah. And uh, can, it's hard. And, it's hard. I'm not real, sugarcoating this. I'm not but, sugarcoating this. It requires no. a lot of courage. But and I also understand that this is what conservatives fear. Yeah, yeah. Um, their their ideology cannot stand contact with actual liberals. With the light. <laughs> yeah, it really can't. It, it evaporates really can't stand in it. the light. This is, yeah. If you if you go back and listen to the you know the the worst anti-miscegenation speeches. Yeah, yeah. Um, from the 40s and 50s, you know, race mixing. The thing that terrified the shit out of a white supremacist group was always that you'd meet black people and you'd find out they weren't that bad. Yeah, they were just yeah. like you. They had the same concerns as you. They had kids. They, you know, like Kennedy said, they, you know, they care about their country, uh, their children's future, and they they want peace. You know, they, yep. uh, I'm misquoting Kennedy really badly here, but that oh, they're just like me, yeah. and it might be okay for my daughter or my son to marry one of those people. And that was the horror that you would have. You'd end up losing the power structure. The white racist power structure that ran the South would lose power once the enemy became humanized. Mm-hmm. And so they, they devoted all their efforts to demonizing the shit out of people who were exactly the same as you and me, except for the color of their skin. Yeah. And did you know? You can just carry that right forward right into 2010 and 2011. The thing that terrifies. 
conservatives. And this is why they, you know, you don't live in a, in a red state. You live in a, you live in a racist or red state enclave. Yeah. You live yeah. in a place where people have gathered together out of fear. Yep. And stay that way. They don't want contact with liberals. They don't want contact with progressives like you and me because their ideology would collapse. Yeah. Because they'd have to acknowledge that what, you know, right up in their face, is this perfectly nice person who well, isn't and at all right like up in their face him. every day is the government largesse that their parents or they are living off of. Mm-hmm. And there's someone there to remind them of that. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. A, it's a lot easier to take your Social Security check and your Medicare and then bitch about big government yep. at a yep. tea party when there's nobody there to remind you that you would be dead if it weren't for big government. You don't have to come out with a lot of ideological stuff to your neighbors yeah but you know meet them where they are you know i want to save the local factory yep you know i'd like those jobs to stay here and And we'd like those jobs to be pay a living wage that is not one 225th of what the ceo of the company makes when he ships the jobs overseas yes and And all of a sudden he's made wall street happy so he gets more stock options the the small businesses that support Mm -hmm. most you know towns Mm -hmm. and cities Mm -hmm. Are not 225 times. No, not they're, at all. There are some Those factors. tax cuts always affected them because it was under $250,000 a year. You know, the, small the guy who the, cuts your hair doesn't make $250,000 a year most no. of the time. Unless you're in Manhattan, but then you can't get to the salon because of the snow. <laughs> because of the fucking so. snow. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you have a private helicopter and can fly your stylist in from Jamaica. Or yeah, there you live. go. I have to fly in my stylist. Oh. You're listening to the Professional Left Podcast, professionalleft.blogspot.com. And uh, one last item of business is a shout-out to our friend Batochio over at Vagabond Scholar. He has, without any prompting from anyone, he has picked up the torch left behind by the late John Swift and put together a Best of 2010 Hall of Fame, Great Posts, etc. It's It's, it's favorite posts by the people that wrote them, and uh it's something that John Swift did in the past to build community among bloggers. And I think John Swift would be very proud of Batochio's amazing effort at putting yeah. this out. And yeah. we, thank that ain't him. Easy. we thank him publicly and, and with a humble heart. And so go over to Vagabond Scholar and look at it. Vagabondscholar.blogspot.com and take a look. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. We One of the things that we're most grateful for, looking back to 2010, is the terrific community and support and listenership we're just so grateful to all of you we have a website for you from us to you a website called professionalleft.blogspot.com where you can listen to our archives for free we're coming up on our one-year anniversary and i think we're going to change the music we've had some lobbying to change the music change the music so So i think we're going to change the music uh, when we enter our second year sometime in late january at our website In addition to the archives, we have at that website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, there is an opportunity for you to chip five bucks into the hat to give us a vote of confidence and to support us as we continue this podcasting and this work. We really appreciate it. We do. We have an email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com. That email address pops your email into both of our email boxes. And we do read your emails and love to hear from you. So feel free to write us anytime. How are the Internet kitties celebrating the new year? Uh, they're not here right now. They both grabbed their shovels and headed out the door. Because this <laughs> shit is white gold, my friend. <laughs>
This podcast is produced under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2010, Driftglass Blue Gal Podcast.